Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. I want to talk about a theological alignment, and we're going to push in deeply, and it's from fighting naturally to fighting spiritually. From fighting naturally to fighting spiritually. I'm convinced that every person is created with a fight in them. Some people go, you start to talk fighting spiritually, oh, I don't want to go there, that's not my sort of thing. Those same people fight with other people. We fight with people, but we don't want to fight the spiritual stuff because that's a bit scary. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 6. This one is not given to you before, but we'll go to Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12, Ephesians 6, and it says this, be strong in yourself. Come on, that's good, Sally, you shut me down, you correct me, that's good wife, correct me. Be strong in your pastors. <laughs> be strong, here's a good one, be strong in your feelings. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I might let myself off the leash for a little moment and just enjoy it. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's not saying the same thing twice. It's saying two different things. Be strong in the Lord, who he is, and in his mighty power is what he does. Be strong in the Lord and... Hang on, go back to the the previous verse, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in who he is and in what he can do. His mighty power, what he can do. But be strong in the Lord is in who he is. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Aren't you glad that, come on, just think about that. I'm, I'm just meditating right now. The full armor of God. That means... It belongs to God. That means it's from God. I reckon that armor might just work. Maybe we're trying to fight the way that we want to fight. And God said, put on the armor of God, not your armor. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against your wife, your husband, your children, your boss, your pastor, and the people next door. No. So you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes, against the devil's schemes. Schemes. What is a scheme? Come on. It, it, there's trickery involved. He's trying, to, he's trying to get a... He's trying to mess with us. We need to understand that the enemy, he is defeated by Jesus Christ. And he knows it, but he just hopes we don't. Do you know the only power the enemy has in our our lives is our perceived? Come on. I'll, I'll go there in a moment. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We need a reawakening of this in the body of Christ. Our struggle is not against people. Come on, as a church, if you need to get 
favor with, the, if you need to get something from the council, something pushed through, your fight is never against that person that's trying to block it. It's a principality and a power behind it. If, you're, if, you're, if you've got a problem in your workplace and you say, my boss is this and this and this and this, it's not against flesh and blood. There's always something behind it. And we're fighting people to try to get something that God says, how about we change the way we fight from that fighting naturally to fighting spiritually. Our struggle, if you're a believer, your struggle is not against people. That's just biblical. You might say, but it is, Steve, it is. No, it's not. I know you feel that, and I feel it at times, but it's not the truth. It is not the truth. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is where our fight is. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, when it is difficult, when the enemy comes against you, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, that you're still standing. Who wants to be one of those people? Come on. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being the devil's punching bag. Anyone else? It might surprise you to hear me say it, but man, many times I feel like the devil's punching bag. I know I'm not theologically, but experiment. How do you say that word? Experientially. Thank you. Say it again. <laughs> Experientially, sometimes I feel like that. How about you? But the word says that if we put on, we fight the way God wants and with the weapons that He's given us, and we actually recognize it's a spiritual thing, not a natural thing. It's not that person, it's not that boss, it's not that situation. It is a spiritual thing. If we recognize that, then we can not only stand, but when everything is said and done, we'll still be standing. I want to be, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that they lived in faith and they died in faith. What does that mean? When I die, I still want to be in faith. I still want to believe in. I still want to be standing. I don't want to be like the many who run well for a while, but then the discouragement and, and life Oh, come on. Life can get on top of us, and many people stop walking with God and leaning into God because of what they've gone through. But the reality is it's not what they've gone through. It's that the natural has got more of our focus than the spiritual. That we haven't recognized the actual enemy. It's always a spiritual battle. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, uh, in the second part there, it says, In order that Satan might not outwitch us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Interesting. Because didn't Ephesians 6 talk about the enemy schemes? And it says, We are not unaware. If you know his schemes, you can defeat him. In the case, oh, this is interesting. Thank you, Father. In the case of spiritual battles, ignorance is not bliss. Anyone heard that statement, ignorance is bliss? Not spiritually. Not spiritually. Do not be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Now, just so you know my heart early on in this session, I am not a devil glorifier. I think you know that. But I'm just stating some people, 
someone sneezes and they cast out a demon. There's a demon behind every tree and behind every rock, and, and we're so scared and afraid. And oh, It ain't me, all right? It ain't me. And it's not Jesus, and it shouldn't be you. But it does say, don't be unaware of his schemes. He has a way that he tries to do things. So if that's the case, then I want to give you two more scriptures, and then we're going to meditate on a long passage, one that you know very well, but you're going to see some things you've never seen before. And that is in Mark 3.27. Mark 3.27, it says, In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Everyone say first. What must you do first? You must first tie him up. What's that? Binding. Then you can plunder the strong man's house. Loosing. Let me go here. Let me go here. Can I push this? Can we go? We must first overcome the enemy before we can take back what he's stolen from us. Anyone remember that song from Brownsville? I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. But you must first take authority over him. You must first overcome him before you can take it back. If you want to plunder the strong man, you've got to first tie him up, overcome him. So there is an order spiritually we must first overcome the enemy before we can take back what he has stolen. And it's time for us to take back what he's stolen today. Amen. But then there's another scripture in Mark chapter 5 verse 9 that says, Then Jesus asked him, talking about the demon-possessed man, of the, you know that one, when he crossed over the river and there was a demon-possessed man running around naked and screaming and cutting himself, this man here. And listen to what Jesus did. And Jesus asked him, What? is your name my name is legion he said for we are many and this is what the lord combined these two scriptures and says jesus first identified the enemy what is your name before he took authority over him overcome before he could take back what was stolen there is an order you must identify. Sometimes we're fighting an enemy scattergun style and God says, listen, you can ask, what is your name? It is time to identify the real enemy. Why? Not so we can worship or, or be intimidated by it, but so that we can overcome it. So that we can take back what he's stolen. Do you see the progression? What is your name? I am legion for we are many. Great, I know what I'm dealing with now. Come on principalities and powers we need to know what we're dealing with now I can overcome you get out in Jesus name and now he was clothed and in his right mind and he was able to function what's that we took back what the enemy stole are you with me and so now I want to look at I haven't said this before but I think it's a prince principality that affects probably every believer at certain times. And as we go through it, you'll, you'll see this clearly. And we're going to make sure we're done by one. Are you good? We're going to talk about, and I want to just make it clear before I say what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it for one reason only. Because we're going to identify him and expose him for what he really is. So that we can overcome him right here today. And we can move forward from this session, taking back what he's stolen. Anyone want to do that? 
we don't want to just play games. Are you, are you ready to push in deeper? Because many of the things that you have shrunk back from doing are because of this spirit. But it, it has disguised itself in different ways. So can we go there? When Father unpacked this whole thing to me, which was only a few months ago, it was when I actually came under a heavy attack coming up to ministry where, man, I just was, I, I just, I actually went for a walk and I said, God, what, what the heck is going on here? And he took me on the theological journey. So I went through this for you, so you better receive it. No, just joking. I, 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 just, I, I, just, I just think that the, sometimes the enemy overplays his hand. Isn't that good? And God can reveal truth, and that's what he did. And when I said, what is going on? God said to me, as clear as anything, it's the spirit of intimidation. And then he took me, and he started to flash back all these Brownsville songs and the, the whole... I went to the enemy's tank. I took back. He started going there. And when I thought about intimidation, the first story that came to my mind, which was by God, was the story of David versus Goliath. I go, yeah, I know that story. He goes, no, you don't. Let's go deep. So are you ready to go there? 1 Samuel 17. And I've got a lot to say, but I refuse to rush. We're just going to meander our way through this and I don't want you reading ahead will you stay with me is that okay and what we're going to do is identify what he's like and we're going to make it clear how we're actually going to overcome him and I and uh let's lean in are you ready father right now I'm crying out to you that we hear clearly your voice and see from your perspective in Jesus name 1 Samuel 17, we're going to start at verse 8, and I'm going to read just in sections. And this is exactly how Father downloaded it to me, so let me download it to you as we're going. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Goliath stood and shouted. The first thing God said to me is that intimidation is loud. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had some of the times the voice that's not the voice of God is so loud and intimidation is loud? He shouted, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Why do you come out? Do you know who I am? Intimidation uses questions with the intention of making us doubt. Goliath was loud, but then he came with this. Do you notice how Jesus, you read the Gospels, how many times did Jesus use questions to reveal the heart of someone? How many times throughout history, from the very first mention of the, in, the devil in Genesis 3, when he was just, came as a serpent, remember? His opening thing, did God really say? He comes with questions. Some of the questions that you think in your mind, what you think is just you, that makes you shrink back, 
I want to declare to you by exposing the enemy, if it makes you step back from God or from stepping into what he says, there is a spirit of intimidation that is make, asking, questions to make, asking questions to make you doubt. We're exposing him. And then he goes, choose a man and have him come down to me. Intimidation tries to call the shots. He shouted, he's loud. He uses questions to try to get us to doubt, and uh, am I that, am I this? But then he calls the shouts, you pick a man, and you have him come down. He tries to call the shots, and in our lives, the enemy sometimes tries to call the shots in our lives. And he keeps on going with the question, if he is able to fight me, we will become your subjects But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. See how much he's trying to dictate? He's just trying to dictate. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Intimidation tries to taunt us. The word defy there in the Hebrew means taunt. And the enemy, doesn't he come sometimes and he just taunts, I taunts you, and he taunts you. It's just like this, just this pestering, taunting, and he comes again and again. But listen, just watch this progression, and we're going to spend an hour doing this, but watch this. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Again, calling the shots. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. On hearing Goliath's words, everyone was dismayed and terrified. If we can have these up in the NIV, that would be really awesome. That would be great. Dismayed and terrified. As I read that, this is what God said to me. This is the enemy's greatest intention, to cause the people of God to be dismayed and terrified. And I found him say, I want you to go and actually look at what those two words mean. And can I give it to you? Because it really went surprising on me. Dismay, well, that that actually makes sense, to break down. The enemy's intention is to get us to break down, literally by violence or figuratively by confusion and fear. Goliath's intention was not, it it was loud, he used questions, but he had an objective. I want to break these people down by fear and confusion. But then where it really hit me was the word terrified or greatly afraid, terrified. And we know what it means to be fearful, right? But do you know what it actually says in the original language? To terrify or to cause astonishment and awe. And when Father showed that to me, this is what he said. At its core, intimidation wants us to believe that something else is more powerful than God. This is Goliath. He's yelling, you send someone to me. I'll fight him. If I beat him, 
then you'll be our servants. If he beats me, then we'll be your servants. This is a giant that just seems impossibly large. His, his intention was to destroy them, but he did it by creating that, that awe that, man, he is so big, how can we win? And in our lives, the spirit of intimidation comes and puts something in our mind, in our thoughts, whether it be if I stepped out, what happens if I mess up? And the enemy, the spirit of intimidation, makes the possibility of us messing up, missing the mark, bigger than a great God who's in us and can restore any stumble. We, We shrink back. Oh, God help me. The only time we ever shrink back is when something in our mind becomes bigger than God. Let's keep reading. Intimidation is about our focus. What, what gets our attention the most? First Samuel 17 verse 16. For 40 days. Huh. Anyone heard that phrase before in the Bible? How many times does God do something in a 40-day period? And here's the enemy. Do you know that the enemy has never created anything? He only counterfeits. And his whole intention is to elevate himself above the God that he knows he's not, but he hopes we never know it. And this spirit of intimidation comes to try and make it overwhelm us with how large he is. And this, isn't this what fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, frustration, isn't it at all? But do you know the root of all of those things is intimidation? And I'm going to show it to you theologically as we step through. But in, in, in this moment, it says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening, and he took his stand. Every morning and every evening, he shouted at them. Every morning and every evening, he used questions to try to make them doubt. Every morning and every evening, he tried to call the shots. Every morning and every evening, his goal was to dismay and to terrify the people of God. So they saw him just relentlessly becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger than the God that they were actually serving. And intimidation is relentless. Verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all, remember who the Israelites are? The children of God. The children of God. The royal sons and daughters. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Intimidation causes us to retreat. This is his goal, to get us to step back from the God who is greater. Verse 26, David asked, this man standing near him. David's come along on the scene now. Watch this. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace, disgrace from Israel? 
Come on, come on, let's lean in. What we've done for the man who kills this Philistine, this enemy, and removes this disgrace from the people of God. Intimidation tries to remove us from God's grace. I'm not going to go there right now, but there is a difference between grace and mercy. They are the opposite. And again, God showed me sitting in the spa yesterday, you can't actually receive God's mercy unless you go through the doorway of grace. Grace is the empowerment of God. It is getting what you do not deserve. Salvation, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. Ephesians 2 and 9. It is not about us doing it. Grace is, man, I don't deserve it, but God gives it to me. Mercy is the opposite. I did something wrong, and I don't get what I deserve. I don't get punishment. I don't get guilt. I don't get shame. I deserve it, but I don't get it. That's mercy. Grace is I get it, and I don't deserve it. Does it make sense? And you can't receive mercy unless you go through the doorway of grace because it's the divine influence of the heart. Let me tell you the actual Greek definition of grace. The divine influence on the heart. Revelation. And it's reflection in the life. How good is that? It's beautiful. It's a revelation my God, how wonderful you are. You have revealed yourself, and it has a reflection, a flow and effect in my life, including asking for forgiveness and receiving mercy. You can't receive mercy unless God has revealed himself. That's grace. And the people of God in this passage, like you and I, are the people of God. And David, come along. Everyone else in the army Everyone else in the army who were warriors and soldiers were stepping back in intimidation and fear. But you've got this boy that comes along and he says, I recognize this what it is. He's trying to disgrace us, remove the grace. This means the absence or removal of the divine influence on our heart and its reflection in the life. There is an enemy that is against us, church not to make you feel bad about yourself alone. Not to make you, it's not just about how you feel. He's trying to immobilize you. He's trying to make you feel like you have to step back. You can't step out in faith. And he can only do that if he removes the grace from your life. Hmm. Who is this? This is David speaking. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this enemy? How dare he defy the armies of the living God? And here we step into the first key of overcoming this loud, questioning, relentless spirit of intimidation. And that is, listen to David's identification of who Israel is. And this slipped off the page at me because he says, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? Now go back to verse 8. And this is what it says. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not just 
the servants of a man. Identification. He's trying to say, you're just the servants, the slaves of a man. Are you not the servants of Saul? Isn't that all you are? Choose a man, have him come down. Then go to verse 10, 1 Samuel 17, verse 10. It says, then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. The first time he saw, spoke, he said, you're the servants of Saul. And then he says, you're the armies of Israel. And intimidation will say you're not that bad while saying you're not that good. He, he granted them the title of the armies of Israel as if it was a step up from the servants of Saul. Intimidation tries to get you to see yourself differently than who you really are. If he can't get you to see yourself as just the servants of a man, he might try to get you to see yourself as the armies of Israel. But David came and says, aren't we the armies of of the Lord of hosts, isn't that who we are? You might have come a long way on your identification of who you are. You might have thought, I'm a dirty, rotten, terrible person. Now you might say, I'm not that bad, I'm not that good. And there's an enemy, again, intimidation, that wants us to not see ourselves as the royal sons and daughters, accepted and loved, that we are welcome to come boldly before the throne of grace. This is who we are, church. And intimidation says, you're not that, you're not that. Oh, sure, you're not that bad, but you're not that good. David declared, we are the armies of the living God. Identification is the first step to overcoming intimidation. Servants of Saul, armies of Israel, or armies of the living God. Verse 28, this is where, watch this, stay with me. This is just going to roll and roll, and you're going to see how relentless this enemy is at times. And again, the only reason I'm identifying him is so that we recognize and we can overcome him. Are you with me on that? Now listen, when Eliab, this is verse 28, David's oldest brother, Heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a giant that's of the enemies of Israel that is against the whole Israelites and against David. That's one thing. But this is his flesh and blood, his brother, whose side he is on. And he is burning with anger at David when he identified himself as part of the armies of the living God. And this is what God said to me. Intimidation often uses the words of those who we are close to in order to strike the most deeply. It's one thing for Goliath to shout at you, but it's another thing for your brother to shout at you and question you. Can we be honest in church, Christian life? If you've got someone in the world that just says something terrible against us, that's one thing. But if your brother or your sister 
your leader, your pastor says something, how many people know that that can go a lot, lot deeper? And intimidation. See, what happened is David identified, this is who I am. Do you notice that intimidation doesn't stop? It just tries to go, okay, I'll come through another doorway. Let's go a bit more personal, a bit more closer to home. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You see, he goes to questions too. Question his character, his motivation. Hang on, this is my brother for goodness sake. I understand the enemy, but my brother, you're questioning why I'm making this decision? I know how conceited you are. He just said, with We need to remove this disgrace from Israel. We're part of the armies of the living God. And he's been called conceited. And your wickedness in your heart, you came down only to watch the battle. This is what God said to me. Intimidation causes those who are intimidated to intimidate others. Intimidation is infectious. You know those people that attack you? Those people that say, why are you doing this? And are pointing the finger at you. And if you've been a Christian around for a while, this can happen. It's only because they themselves are intimidated and under the spirit of intimidation. Intimidation is infectious. Verse 32. Would you stay with me? I know it's almost gone a bit somber in here. But it ends up in a good place. And again, I'm not glorifying and it's difficult, but do not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. He'll be loud. He'll use questions. He'll be relentless. And then when you rise up and say, but hang on, this is who I am, he doesn't give up. He'll just come through someone a bit closer. You need to be aware of this so you don't fight the person here. We recognize what the enemy is doing. Verse 32, David said to Saul, this is interesting. He came through the obvious enemy, Goliath. Then he tried to come through family. Now he's talking to the one he looks up to and respects and his authority. Then David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and will fight him. Intimidation wants us to lose heart. His instruction was, don't let anyone lose heart. This is what his plan is. His plan is to get us to lose heart. I want to declare to you, intimidation is not your friend. He wants you to lose heart. And sometimes we listen to the voice and we think it's the voice of protection. If you step out there, you might get your head chopped off. If you stay back here, you'll be safe. If you don't step out in the gifts of God or the things of God, If you you do that, you might get slammed. You might get attacked. So just stay where you are. And we think it's to protect us. It's not. It's to make us lose heart and to think that something is bigger than God. Intimidation is not. He has come through different doorways. But his whole thing is to get us immobilized. And it starts with a bad identity. Verse 33, Saul replied, just think about what David said to Saul in verse 32. 
uh, we don't want people to lose heart. This is his plan. I'm telling you his plan. He wants us to lose heart. Now, Saul replied in verse 33, you are not able to go out and fight the Philistine and kill him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. How many people know that's a really good pep talk from the leader for someone that's got a bit of boldness and faith? You can't do it. You're just a young man. And intimidation can come innocently. Please listen, please listen, please listen, please listen. Intimidation can come innocently through words from people in authority and who you respect. Saul was not trying to intimidate and be nasty against David. He was trying to protect him. He saw this giant and he saw this boy and he did not want to send him to the slaughter. He says, you can't. And sometimes intimidation can come through well intentions by those that we respect. Now we get into some good news. Unfortunately, before we hit some more bad news, before we come into some more good news, before we go into some more bad news, before we come into some good news, and this itself is part of the spirit of intimidation. I would like it if I defeated him. I defeated him once and for all. That's exactly right. Now, Jesus Christ did once and for all. But now, for some sucky reason, am I allowed to say that here this morning, we have to keep on going on this journey. And we want it easy and we want it done. Once and for all, I speak to the enemy and that's it. But sometimes he's relentless and he keeps on coming. And if he can't get to us through Goliath, he'll come through Eliab, our brother. And if he can't get to us through our brother, he'll come through Saul, the one that we respect and honor. If he won't give up. But there needs to come a holy fight in us to say, you know what, you might not give up, but I ain't giving up more. I ain't giving up more. Woo! Verse 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, your servant, notice he kept it respectful, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, hmm, when a lion, let me tell you a story, King Saul. There was a time in my life when a lion came against me. And again, we read this and gloss over, David killed a lion in a bit. I'd be packing myself. Seriously? A lion came against me? We gloss over this. A bear? This is not a pussycat. But his answer was not to go into a fighting match. He went back to a testimony. He had his identity, right? I'm part of the armies of the living God. Now let me tell you, because I overcome the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, there was a time when a lion came against me. There was a time when a bear came against me. And he carried off a sheep from the flock. And I went after it. What are you doing? You don't chase a bear. You don't chase a lion. Yeah, but he stole something that belonged to me. So I'm going to go after it. And I struck it. And I res rescued 
the sheep. I rescued what he stole from me. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck it and I killed it. When it turned on me. This is crazy. When it turned. Man, I wish I had Nike. Man, I'd just be out of there. He comes and says, it did attack me. I like the realness of this. He didn't make it so, oh, it was so easy. No, it turned. It attacked me. But I grabbed it and I struck it and I killed it. And he says to Saul, so your servant has already killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Once again, he came back to his identity. We are not your servants, Saul, and we are not the armies of Israel. We are the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What changed his mind? The power of God's already done it and God's already done it and he will do it again. And I wonder if David had a little bit Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. I wonder if he had a little bit of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heart in him. If you throw us into a fiery furnace, our God is able to save us, and our God will save us. But if he doesn't, it ain't changing the fact that we're going all in. Job said, I came out of my mother's room naked. I might go back naked. I might have nothing when I go back, but blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not about accumulation of wealth, and it's not about protecting my physical life. It is about not giving in to an enemy that is trying to say, I'm bigger than your God. I'm bigger than your God. No, you're not. Intimidation is overcome by our testimony and what God has done. And intimidation is overcome by our identity, being who God says we are. Lord, reawaken our awareness that we are your royal sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. How many people feel after this point in the story and this point of my preaching, which I'm doing the best I can, that you'd be like ready to walk on water, man, come on, it's all uphill from here. This is all glorious. You would, wouldn't you? Verse 38 to 40. Again, I'm not glorifying the enemy, I'm exposing him. I'm disarming him right now in your life. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Seriously, I've just told you what I did and what God did through me. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. Let me stop, stop, stop. Why? Because he's trying to protect him. Intimidation does not always come through an enemy against you. It comes sometimes through a friend who's trying to protect you. Don't step out. You might get attacked. Play it safe. It's okay. You've already done a lot for God. You don't have to do that now. <laughs> he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and he tried walking around because he was not 
use to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took, watch this word, his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Intimidation is overcome by walking in the power of what you presently have in your hand. He did not have a shield. He did not have a spear. He did not have a sword. In fact, someone gave him something that on the surface seemed superior to what he had. But he had not proven the sword. He had not proven the shield. He had not proven the spear. He had an Acts 3, 6 moment of Peter with a layman. He says, such as I have, I give unto you. I only can go with what I know. And this is work with me against the lion and with the bear. You might do it a different way. Stop trying to fight spiritual battles the way someone else fights a spiritual battle. Fight with what works for you and what you have a testimony about. Intimidation is overcome by walking in the power of what we presently have. Verse 41 to 44. Meanwhile, the Philistine, I thought we had forgotten about him. He'd been out of the picture for a while. Meanwhile, this one here, I, can I say this with a smile on my face, this part? Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his <laughs> shield bearer in front of him, the spirit of intimidation has actually intimidated himself. If he's so big and powerful, you come out, you say, no, I need someone to go in front of me to protect me. He needs his own protection. He's not as strong as he thinks, as or as loud, or as strong as he shouts. And he's not as strong as he looks. I, I just, come on. How many people have read the story many times? And you haven't seen all of this. I, I, I mean, this is God said, you go there. And I went there. And, and when I read that line, I, I, I smiled. I thought, he went, came yelling again, and he had his own protection. And he's trying to make himself appear bigger than God. And he needs his own protection. And I'm intimidated by him. The Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. Intimidation keeps coming against us even when we start coming against him with confidence in God. Did you hear what I said? He got a confidence in God, gave his testimony, knew his identity, and said, I'm going to go and defeat him. And the enemy didn't retreat. See, I want him to retreat right then. How about you? But he kept on coming against him. If the enemy keeps on coming against you when you know your identity and you've got a testimony, don't conclude that you're off track. You might be just like David on track. He looked David over and he looked David over and saw, you're just a little boy. 
intimidation will speak in the language of our reality that we cannot deny. Because David was a boy. And intimidation didn't, sometimes we think intimidation just comes on lies. But sometimes he just speaks the reality, but not the truth. The truth was he was a part of the armies of the living God. The reality is he was a boy in the natural. And the enemy saw in the natural a boy and tried to use that against him. Don't let the enemy use against you your natural reality when you are who he says you are. If you keep on stuffing up and stumbling and falling and the enemy intimidation comes, you can't do anything for God. Look what you did yesterday and the day before. That's not a lie. It might be the reality, but it's not the truth. Anyone heard of the word righteous? Righteousness? Wow, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. The word righteous, it says, now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Is that what your Bible says? We are now the righteousness of God. The righteousness of the Father, because we're in Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word righteous, righteousness means in the original language in the Greek? Ready for it? In a condition acceptable to God. Come on, let me, let me push this. Because Christ is in me and I am in him. The Father looks at me even when I stumble and fall on moments of sin and does not see the sin. He sees his Son because the presence of the Son is stronger than the presence of sin. That's why it says in Hebrews 4.16, we let us, let, us, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. How can we who are imperfect step into the presence of a perfect God? Because we're in a condition acceptable to God because God doesn't see our sin. He sees his son. And David is being talked to in the, his present reality. You're just a boy. It's interesting in Jeremiah 1 when God called Jeremiah in verse 4 and says that I'm calling you as a prophet to the nations, before I knew you, I appointed you, and you're a prophet. And then Jeremiah answered it in verse 5, and he said, not a lie, he said the reality, but I am too young, I am just a child. And what did God say to him? Do not say that you are too young. Why the rebuke? He goes, stop talking to your natural reality and defining yourself and limiting yourself by your natural present reality. You are who I say I am. You are. David, he looked over David and saw he's more than a little boy and glowing with health and handsome and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you would come out with sticks? Maybe. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, because that's all he had, small g. Come here. See how he's still trying to call the shots? Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. Intimidation's goal is to destroy us 
and not to protect us. Intimidation's goal is to destroy us, not to just intimidate us. He doesn't want to protect us, but he also doesn't want to just intimidate us. He actually, the intimidation is used to destroy us. And now we get a little bit more good news. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, up until this point, all we're hearing about is the Philistine talking to David, taunting him relentlessly, telling him who he is. And now we see a shift. And David said to the Philistine, we need to talk back to the spirit of intimidation. The one who is calling the shots and being relentless and constantly harassing your mind and telling you why you can't and telling you to stay in safe places to protect you while he's trying to actually stop you from stepping in the fullness of God. It's time for us to start to talk back to him. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. In other words, Javelin, in other words, I do see what you've got. I see who you are. I'm not downplaying that. I see it clearly. But now let me tell you the spiritual reality of my position. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. We overcome intimidation with a confidence in God, not in ourselves. But Steve, I can't, I'm just this. That is the spirit of intimidation trying to say you can't because you're just. He says, I don't, I got nothing here, but I'm coming against you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. I can't, but he can. And then he said, This day, everyone say this day. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. You might say, that's a bit intense. I want to tell you that when we get militant, something shifts. The heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Come on, be strong in the world. Demolish arguments. Come on, take authority over it. Take it. Oh, that's not me. It better be you. Otherwise, you'll be the devil's punching bag all the days of your life. It's time for the people of God to rise up and say, this far and no further. This day, something shifts. I am not living under the power of the spirit of intimidation. Intimidation can be overcome and we can take back what he's stolen this day. Because one of the, the, see, even at that point, the intimidation tries to come again and say, man, it's going to take you a long time to be able to get past this. You've lived with it so long, this is going to be a long road out. What is that? It's him still trying to come. That's it for this day. And the whole world will know 
Listen, not that David is so great, but that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know, don't miss this, that it is not by sword, it is not by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the armor of God. It is God's armor. It is God's battle. And He will give all of you into our hands. Let me say it again. And the whole world will know that there's a God. This overcoming of intimidation, you need to so lean in in this last couple of minutes. This overcoming of the spirit of intimidation that has just attacked so many of us in the body of Christ and just stopped us from stepping out. You might say, not me, but if I start to list a whole bunch of examples in your workplace and in your family life where you thought about doing something, be thought, oh, I won't, maybe they, won't, they might not take it the right way or maybe I'll look bad. What is that? It's all intimidation. It can be from small to something big. Stepping out in spiritual gifts, oh no, that's not really me. Maybe that's, I'm not called to that. Maybe that's more their thing, intimidation. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, you can eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than everyone, but I encourage you, everyone, I, I wish everyone would prophesy, oh no, I can't do that. That's more Steve's thing. Intimidation. Intimidation. And, and, he, and he, can you see how he, tr- he masked it by... I'm protecting you so you don't look silly. He's just, trying to, he's just trying to make you think that something is bigger than your God. But when we break, when we overcome this intimidation, it will result in a great testimony of God's strength and God's power in our lives. Praise God. I'm about to pray, but before I do 2 Timothy 1.7, how many people know the scripture? You might know it in the New King James, you might know it in NIV. Most people probably quote it as God has not given us the spirit of fear, which literally means in the NIV, which is actually the more literal translation from the Greek, look at what it says, for the spirit God gave us. Listen, for the Spirit God gave us, for the Spirit, has God given us His Holy Spirit? The Spirit God gave us does not make us, does not make us, shout it out like you're not timid. God does not make us. What is intimidation? In timid, placing timidity in me. Intimidation is placing timidity in me. God says, the spirit I gave never does that. Come on, I could give you scripture after scripture. I'm not going to right now, but Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority over all the enemy's powers, Jesus said. There's nothing timid about that. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil. He's got to flee from you. It doesn't sound timid to me. No, because the spirit I gave doesn't make you timid. You need to understand there's a spirit of intimidation. This whole thing is to put timidity into you. 
and he'll do it under the guise of protection. And if he can't come through the Goliath, he'll come through Eliab. If he can't come through Eliab, he'll come through Saul. If he, and he, he'll just try to come through as many avenues as he can. And he'll try to sound convincing all the while saying, I'm protecting you. But all the while, his intention is to destroy. And we draw a line in the sand today, church. And we say, we've identified him. Now we're going to overcome him. And we're going to take him back. This is what God said to me. Going to the enemy in and of itself is actually a spiritual weapon of boldness that goes against the spirit of intimidation. Even as we've talked about this, this is going against intimidation. Do you know that I still have to say no to intimidation regularly when I do these things, when I speak? Did you know that? Sometimes it might be tiredness, sometimes it might be weariness, sometimes it might be a physical thing, sometimes I feel no anointing, sometimes it's, it's like uh, I just want to have a sleep now, sometimes it might be because something I did wrong, sometimes whatever it may be, intimidation knocks on the door of my mind regularly and says, are you, who are you to do that? But I realize that he might come relentlessly but my God is greater. And when I say, that might be true, that might be true, that might be true, that might be true. But God Almighty has called me. And I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he wants to bless people. So here am I, send me. And I get up and I do this. Every time I'm defeating the spirit of intimidation. And if I have to do it for the next 40 or 50 years in different ways, guess what? I'm going to keep doing it. And he might say, well, I win, I win because you're still aware that you have to overcome. I'm an overcomer for I overcome. Don't get defeated by the fact that you still struggle with your emotions, your feelings, and yet you still love God and pursue God. Because the reality is, God smiles on you if you keep on pursuing and loving Him, despite what you're feeling or thinking. Sometimes we think, oh, it should be easier than this by now. Jesus Himself said, in this world, you're going to have trouble and tribulation. Be a good cheer, I've overcome it, but you're going to have it. And I don't want to be despondent on that. I just want to really be clear that even when you know who you are, and you have a testimony, he doesn't give up. But today, I declare over us, the Spirit of God, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. And we are not a slave, no longer a slave to fear. Because I'm a child of God. I'm going to pray for us, but just before I do, I'm just going to say this as I pray. There's a story in 2 Kings. I'm just going to read two verses and pray. Where the armies come against Elisha and his servant, and they surround to kill Elisha. It's a great story. Read it yourself. But the servant looked out in the natural and saw the armies, and he cried out in fear, Oh, no, my Lord, the armies are surrounding us. And that was a truth, and that was a reality. 
And in verse 16 of 2 Kings 6, Elisha said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered. You know what? Sometimes we need to tell ourselves, I won't be afraid. It didn't, you know how many times in the Bible it says, don't be afraid? Don't be worried about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. God wouldn't say it to us if it wasn't possible with him. You say, but I can't. Maybe we need to lean in him a bit more. I'm talking to myself right now. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. This statement declares, makes the declaration, the enemy is real, but my God is greater. The God, there are more with us than there are against us. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of chariots and horses all around Elisha. And intimidation is broken when we receive revelation and look to see what God is doing. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.